Yo, what's going on, guys? Episode 20. Man, it seems like uh, we hit 20 pretty quick, even though it's been almost a year. Wrapping up the end of the year, but what's going on, Philip? Hey, not too much at all. Yeah, it's, uh, I was just thinking that, you know, yeah. 20, and it's, I guess, 26 of the, of the year, right? So, yeah, it just, it's just right around the corner. That's kind of crazy. It doesn't feel like we've been doing it that long, does it? No, just every week we uh, just hammer it out and creeps up on you for sure. seems like we were in the single digits because right before we start, I always ask, like, all right, this is episode 20, right? (laughs) But it seems like I was saying single digits not too long ago, but here we are. But welcome, guys. This one is an era episode, so we're going to do this series, and granted, this is going to be spread out. You know, we already only do an episode every other week, but we're going to do other topics as well. So this is really going to be stretched out probably over many months, but they're going to be called these era episodes where we talk about a certain era in the TCG and our favorite cards in there, the notable cards in there, the collectible cards in there, the investable cards in there, everything about that era that comes to mind. So... This one is going to be pretty basic, or base, if you will. It's going to be a base set through uh, the gym. Huh? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, base set through gym challenge. So this is not the Watsi era as a whole, but we took just gym one and made it its own set. So, yeah, going to be uh, pretty good. I mean, with that, you only have, what, six, seven, eight? Eight sets, really. You know, base jungle fossil, rocket, base two, the gym sets. And I think yeah. we're going to touch on legendary collection as well, even though that didn't come out till later. But, you mm-hmm. know, it is gen one. And there's not really much to say about that either. But, yeah, we'll it's see how it goes. Follows, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much the only no. thing is those reverses. <laughs> yeah, I know some people are, have kind of uh, mixed opinions on it. Um, I know some people have have some hot takes on it too from what i've seen um but i'm pretty excited because well i was excited for the rcs upc that that released just last week and then i got the rcs upc (laughs) and the metal cards was pretty cool um but they weren't even like in plastic or anything they were just thrown inside I saw that. And, like, all the contents were just kind of tossed in there. Like, I'm lucky I was on a hard floor, at least, because I was on in my living room, so I was, it dropped on carpet. But, like, I wasn't when I opened it, I wasn't expecting it to drop like that. So, obviously, I was a little worried. But I will say I'm pretty happy that, overall, it's in pretty good condition. So, I'm really happy for that. Obviously, an RCS collector. But the rest of the box is trash. <laughs> yeah. Not in good pools. Uh, no, I think after the Charizard UPC and the Arceus UPC, that uh, I think I'm good on modern English for a while. In fact, like indefinitely, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially with those products, I mean, you're getting such a small sample size. Like, yeah, you could get lucky, but I, yeah, I essentially don't open those products unless it's worth opening to me for everything except the packs like 
I did open up a Charizard UPC and I was just going to keep the pack sealed, but I, uh, you know, just got a hinch like, you know, I haven't opened anything in a while, but of course I was disappointed. So I should have just kept them sealed, but every once in a while you got to open something. So, well, you know, the thing is, I also got a Japanese Go booster box that I ordered through the Japanese Pokemon Center. And I was reminded time and time again why it's better just to open the Japanese products. Like, their cards, like I'm looking at them right now, are just hypnotic. Like, especially, like, the their, their Radiant cards. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, in person, you just can't beat them. And that's just the way... I, I know I've said this before, but that's the way I'm, I'm just going to go. Especially with this new V-Star universe set coming out. That's, that's, that's going to be unreal. Especially the Japanese versions. Yeah, it seems uh, pretty nuts. I mean, that's going to be... You know, it has been our news topic, but that's going to be one in the future when we know more about all the cards. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, the set just looks insane. But... Yeah, I've pretty much yeah. been that way myself. Like, if I collect a card just because I like it, it's going to be the Japanese side of things. Even the older stuff, if it's like a weird <laughs> card that doesn't fit in somewhere, I just buy the Japanese graded and leave it at that. But, yeah, with our uh, first news topic, I mean, I guess the news is kind of flooding everywhere for us in two mm-hmm. hours. By the time we get done with this podcast... Scarlet and Violet will officially be released. Yeah. So exciting stuff. I'm going to be getting mine tomorrow. I'll be playing. Yeah. uh, I'll I'll have to be driving up to GameStop, I think. I uh, didn't pre-order it because they had so many of the um, Gen 4 remakes, uh, Time and Pearl, that... I feel like I'm I'm okay not pre-ordering. Like that's somebody I saw. They had just displays of that those games set up. So. Oh yeah, yeah. For games anymore, I mean, I mean, it's never been a problem. Even you know, ten years ago. I mean, the only reason you really pre-order things is to you know used to you used to do it just to have the experience to be the first one to get it you know you go to GameStop you wait there in line for hours and then you at midnight you got the game then you raced home sped all the way home and played it for a few hours but you know that's long gone yeah like I remember camping out for Halo Reach like we got there at like 12.31 p.m. Like during the day, <laughs> and we were not first in line, but yeah, I made some lifelong friends from that day that I'm friends with Facebook on that I've hung out with. Like those, those were the days, man. <laughs> yeah, I did that with a few games. I did that with Halo Two. Yeah, and uh, what was another one? I think it was Grand- one of the Grand Theft Autos. It might have been San Andreas. Is it your San Andreas or like it was, uh, was it four? I don't know. I, I can't even remember anymore. That's how long it's been. That, but yeah. That GTA I, four, I, which went back to like Liberty city. Yeah. Yeah. I used to do that all the time, but yeah, I'll just stroll into GameStop tomorrow and 
pick me up one and not too worried about it. But yeah, I guess we don't really have much to talk about with it, you know, aside from it releasing. I mean, we're both super hyped. This is probably the most hype I've been for a release of a game, like since I've been into the games again, which dates back to like black and white and di- original Diamond and Pearl. So this is the most hype I've had for a game since Black and White, really. Uh, what excites me is after playing Arceus, because, you know, Arceus was really... So I played the remakes of the Time and a Pearl, but I really wasn't impressed. I, for me, it's hard to keep my attention when it comes to playing games. It, it just is. I just don't play the games that I used to. But at the same time, it left me uninspired for playing more games. But then Arceus came out with the ability to explore. And I played that game. I played that game hardcore, especially because there just so happened to be a snowstorm in our area shortly after it came out. So I just played it like three days straight. It was uh, it was incredibly fun. And I think this game, this Scarlet Violet, I think it's going to build on that whole gameplay. And we'll see. I'm sure some people already know, you know, by the time that you hear this, I mean, I know a lot of people will have played, but these are kind of my hopes and aspirations for this game, especially seeing as I've lived under a rock when it comes to news with this game. I've watched the trailers, and that's about it. I've avoided all other things as much as I could to have as little spoilers when I start playing it as possible. So, yeah, I'm I'm pretty hyped, I would say. Yeah. That's pretty much me too. Like I've seen some articles pop up and I just like ignore them, but mm-hmm. I've seen the stuff like on Instagram obviously cuz I'm pretty active on there. So any of the new Pokémon that officially get revealed, I see on there, but I don't really see the unofficial ones. I kind of had a minor spoiler just before this podcast cuz I saw we saw that the Poké Beach had like the sprites of everything and I was like, uh, okay, I, you know, I was tempted, and of course, the first thing I see is the looks like this Frigatito um, Final Evolution is on two legs. If, if I saw that right, I quickly like went, went back, so I, I really don't know, but I don't know. I, sh- I should refrain from judgment until I see more. I think. But yeah. Are you gonna get Scarlet or Violet? I would think violet. I always blue is my favorite color. Anything that leans towards that color spectrum, that's usually what I get. Yeah, I, that's what I'm gonna get too. And I think my other friend's gonna get that. So I have to trade. <laughs> I have to trade for some scarlet Pokemon. But well, I was thinking about maybe getting both, just as from the collector side, but. At the same time, I really don't feel like paying for two games <laughs> until I actually play it. Yeah. I never do. I did with uh, XY and then Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire because between those four games, you could get every single Pokemon ever in, you know, in all the games. But they haven't, you know, quickly after that, they went to where, like, they don't even have every Pokemon in the Pokédex now on the games, which, you know, you can't really. There's just so many. So, yeah, I only buy the the blue ones. I bought Moon, Ultra Moon, so I'll buy Scarlet. But, or not Scarlet, Violet. 
But yeah, I mean, I feel like Arceus opened my mind with it again because, you know, Black and White and Black and White 2 had some good story. But, I mean, it's still not the story level of, you know, big AAA games. It's it's a Pokemon game. You really only play them for the end game of, like, training your Pokemon and battling. And then, you know, maybe not so much shiny hunting back in the day, but... Now, shiny hunting is a lot easier and more involved, and so that's fun to do. But there's so much more to the game itself now, too. And Arceus really sparked that back with me, because Sun and Moon was just a drag. Um, the uh, Sword and Shield, they were just a drag. The mainline Pokemon games have been struggling for a while. You know, they were already not super special, but <laughs> you know what I mean. But yeah. Arceus really opened the door, and some people didn't like how you had to craft everything, but I enjoyed really taking a lot of time and really taking your time with it and catching everything and catching multiples to complete your decks. So this is going to be, I think, a balance between that. Like, you're not going to have to craft your own things, I don't think, but it's going to be an Arceus feel with, like, a modern feel. And so that that's going to hit... A lot of people, you know, right where it counts, a lot of people are going to really enjoy that, I think, because it's the yeah, best of both worlds. And I think Pokemon can really capitalize on, if they can really, really shoe in a groundbreaking game within the franchise, one that people whisper as one of the best out of all the Pokemon games then I think that can really plant a strong sense of nostalgia for this generation for not both your Sword of Shield by Scarlet and Violet as well. Mm. And I think that can translate to the Pokemon TCG. To what lengths, you know, we really can't say this yet because, you know, after seeing Beastar Universe, I'm kind of curious what Pokemon has in store for Scarlet and Violet. Like, they're just, they have this runaway train that just keep on going, keep on going. And they're just churning out amazing art quality and just keep on changing everything. With, I mean, they're pretty much, they, they are the kings of the TCG world right now. They are the yeah. trendsetters. And I'm interested to see where they take this to. Because every time I see something, I'm like, wow, that's new, that's fresh. You know, I didn't quite think of that, but they're able to keep on doing that. And if they do with this next generation, I think we could see Pokemon take an even bigger leap in the card industry. Bigger than it already is. Yeah, they they got some big things in the works for sure. But we'll let you know. I think we're... We're thinking about our next episode being about the games. So yeah. it's going to give us time to play. And, like, I know I'll beat it within two weeks. I'll probably beat it <laughs> within this week because I'll be playing quite a bit, I think. But uh, Yeah, it's I'll do what I can. Um, I got a busy schedule, uh, especially with it being the holidays and all next week. So I'm working a little bit, a little bit different. So we'll see how much I, I can play. Um, if I, I figure if I just focus on like the main quest is what I'll probably do and just try to get done within two weeks. Yeah. 
Yep, we'll let you know. And I think we're going to rank the games maybe or just talk about certain gens of the games. But we'll definitely be talking about the new game, that's for sure. So Yes, we will. Yes, we will. But what's next on the, the news chopping block? Was it the, uh, the old Precious Collection? The Precious Collection box. I feel like this box... This card it has been overshadowed, and not necessarily for the fault of its own. Um, I think just the fact that you have Scarlet and Violet literally coming out on Friday, which is tomorrow for us, so the 18th. And this is pretty much releasing, is it, I think it's the 21st. I think it's when it'll, it'll ship. Or a release? I, I, yeah. I can't even remember. I know it's... I thought it was it was Monday-based because I was able to pre-order one. Um, I actually haven't looked to see if I was charged after you mentioned... You, some people on Elite Forum mentioned that they've been charged, which I'd be curious and to see if I have. But, of course, U.S. Bank's website is down. <laughs> uh, but this thing is pretty cool. It's got this cool binder. Um, like etched in cards from the Sword and Shield era. Mm-hmm. Got a little frame that you can put your end of era Sword and Shield Pikachu and Friends in. And honestly, the box itself is cool. Like, yeah, know, let me. Uh, ancient. Just gonna pull up the uh, box here again. Yeah, the promo's like A plus, and then yeah, you get a little. Uh, little binder with it and all that but yeah this is uh i hope they keep on doing this sort of card that'd be really really cool it's already becoming a niche within its own potential if they do that um the one for the sun and moon that one is pretty cool too i don't know if if you've seen it it's got pikachu and obviously cards from the sun and pokemon from the sun and moon era on it um but this was, I was hoping they would do something like this, and I was pleased that they did, and I already can't wait to see the next one because these cards are amazing. Yeah, they're, uh, they're pretty solid. The uh, Precious Collection Box promo looks a lot like the Festa promos. Yeah. And, yeah, they yeah. Were, they're some of the best full art cards yep. you know, from a few years back. But... Yeah, that should be uh, pretty good. I think we're going to talk a little bit more about that in the game section on this episode. Mm-hmm. Kind of about where we think the price will land and the future of that. So we'll talk more about that there. But the last thing we want to mention in the news was the whole Ludkins and PSA fiasco. Yeah. So Just Touch up on that one. Yeah, so if you guys missed what we said, you know, I think we just mentioned a little bit of it last episode, but essentially, you know, people are still waiting for their Ludkins 2020 orders. Thankfully, ours came back and we're not involved in this fiasco, but things were happening where people were reaching out to Ludkins, getting no answer. People were reaching out to PSA and saying, you know, basically no answer, but we'll give an update. And then all of a sudden, PSA released a statement that Ludkins and PSA's relationship was no more. That Ludkins, apparently, which it's obviously to me, you know, received payment. 
to grade these cards because you pay Ludkins up front. And PSA was claiming that Ludkins was not paying them to give the cards back. So whether that's a matter of like not finding funds or, you know, not managing the money well, which, you know, it makes sense. You know, I would hate to be a business that like takes all this money to provide a service and then the service just being shut down. And then you're, you're having to run a company while you're not having any flow of money because PSA shut down. (laughs) So it's, it's a, uh, it's definitely a, a wild thing. And for the most part, this is only talking about PSA UK because the USA branch is a different branch, but, you know, under the same umbrella. But as far as I know right now, it seems like they're only cutting ties with the UK, which was known as Lutkins UK. But, yeah, essentially the updates we have is that they are now working with each other and Ludkins has provided the information to PSA with all the order info so that PSA can ship the cards back. Because PSA's original statement was that they're avoiding Ludkins because they're not paying them any money. They just wanted to get the cards back to the customers and then they'll deal with the Ludkins thing later. Which, you know, I think they're doing from a, a legal standpoint. They just want to get the cards back and deal with the money factor, you know without the customers involved because they shouldn't be. And so that, that was a good thing for PSA. Um, yeah, they, PSA is handling all of the cards. Now Ludkins shipped back all the cards that they had, that they were waiting in queue to send off or cards that were, they, they were holding on to because they weren't going to grade or customers decided not to grade. And then PSA, is handling all the rest with Ludkins handing over all the info. So seems like a huge fiasco, but I guess they're working together. And like we said, you know, our Ludkins order was graded sometime early summer, but we didn't get it back till late summer, fall practically. Well, it was, it was more like mid-spring. It was graded, and we didn't get it back till fall. Yeah, yeah. So the certain numbers and, were definitely older. So maybe PSA yeah. is just holding on to a horde of cards that are ready, and like all these people are just going to get their cards back instantly this month. So that'd be pretty amazing because it's been a long time coming for a lot of people. You know, we got ours in September, and it felt like it took forever to get our cards back. And, you know, to the people that sent it out October 2020, sometimes I bet that, I wouldn't be surprised that there's something that might have been even earlier, you know. I mean, you're talking 25 months. Yeah. Ridiculous. You know, just think about the patience that we all had. And after this time, you just find out they've been done. But the place that you already paid to, can't afford to pay their fees. I mean, I can't imagine the frustration some people have, and I feel for them. I yeah. would be that person because I would be upset myself because, you know, a lot of these people, you got some people that have hundreds of cards, even thousands. Think about the lost profits for, for those people. Yeah, it's it's just mind-boggling and like crazy either way 
but yeah, it's like, geez, like how, I don't know, how mismanaged it is is just surprising, but yep. seems to be working its way out now, but yeah, it's just a bummer, and it is pretty easy to submit directly with PSA now. Um, that's just going to be the future yeah. and how to go. That's but. how we did it this time. You know, what drew me in was at the time, I think the cheapest option for PSA was 20 bucks, but if you went through Ludkins, it was as little as $9 a card. So we went, we went that route. And because obviously we're dealing with, we weren't just talking about 2025 cards. We were talking about, you know, 60, 70, hundred cards, being sent out, being able to reach $200 for the lower tier through Ludkins. I mean, that's why we went that route. The the price point allured me. However, sometimes you pay for what you get, and yeah. that was one of those times. It really was. I mean, it, the one order, like the second order, we received back first. That was amazing, but you know, I'm fortunate that we just had that, honestly. After looking back at everything that has happened, I am just appreciative of getting that order back when I did, which was last December, or else I would have been eaten at a major loss here. So, Yeah, it's uh, kind of crazy to think about. But, yeah, I guess that pretty much does it for the news. We can hop on into the main topic, I guess, huh? Here we go. Let's do it. I'm ready. We've been talking about this episode for how long? Uh, it's been a while. Quite a while, yeah. We yeah. always had plans to do this, I feel. But, yeah, for the old base set. So, like, what what do you think of when you think of base set? Well, I mean, what does anybody think of when they think of base set? <laughs> uh, I think, obviously, it's the base set versus Charizard. I think that is the clear... Number first thing, and I think after that, you're probably thinking obviously the trio, and obviously, there's a lot more to that, especially for somebody like Nathan and I that grew up as this was being distributed, you know, real time, the OGs, if you will. And you know, there's obviously stories tied to these cards and these sets as well stories that I think a lot of people have that for not just our generation, but in this case, especially our generation. For this set and these cards and this everything, Pokemon, it started it all. Everything. We wouldn't be talking about Scarlet and Violet if it weren't for the original base set. And I think when you consider not only at this point the historical impact now within the hobby, but the cultural impact of Pokemon and this set, I mean... It's we it's I feel like it's almost underselling it when you just talk about oh the top three cards or the first things you think of for this through through this set is the starters is the fully evolved starters Blastoise Charizard Venusaur but that's what I think we all think of or at least I would think a, a good portion of us would yeah so yeah I mean that's something we gotta talk about you know too it's like some people might see this episode. As like, you know, almost redundant because everyone knows these sets and mm-hmm. what they bring. There's no surprises. There's no like, 
sleepers, if you will, or things like that. There's not even any secret rares, except for one when you get into Rocket. Rocket. But, yeah, we're just going to talk about, you know, what it means to us. And, yeah, like like you said, I mean, the big three, obviously, are Charizard, Blastoise, and Venusaur. Um, instead of talking about cards that might be more investable, since it is so obvious, maybe we'll talk about some cards that people might not know certain aspects of, like... Stuff that comes up to mind, I think, when I think of base set, aside from those top three, you know, Alakazam and Mewtwo and Chansey are right there. They're number three, um, or they're number four, five, and six, rather. So I think Alakazam and Mewtwo are pretty strong above all the other Pokemon, aside from the top three. I'd agree. Yeah, Raichu yeah. gets a little love. I would say after that, it's Raichu or Zapdos, or maybe Gyarados. I would put the Zapdos above Raichu or Gyarados, but yeah. that's that's how I would do it. And then I would probably do Gyarados, Raichu, just the, the Raichu I was on. I was like, eh, the Gyarados, I guess because blue is probably why I like it. Blue is my favorite color. Yeah. So. Yeah, and the only other thing like notable, really, is you know great ability with Chansey. It's obviously a white background, Clefairy as well, but I think Chansey proves to be a little harder. Um, any card with a white background, especially old cards, are hard to grade, so that might be something people don't really pay attention to. Um, Hitmonchan as well, because it is kind of a plain background, and there was a pretty good deck with that, if I remember right, back in the day, so a lot of those were actually played with. Um, same with Blastoise, you know, Blastoise was like the best. He was way better. He could smoke the Charizard. So, so yeah, a lot of those are played with as well. Um, I don't know if it's true much anymore, but the uncommon slot used to have a lot of problems for some reason, like the war turtle where it was positioned in the pack. It was always susceptible to more damage and had a lower pop than normal. But now with everybody grading everything base set, I don't know if that's the case anymore. But before the hype, like this was like before the Pokemon Go hype. I mean, that was kind of a a thing, but it just kind of dissolved with everything else. So I don't know if that's even a thing now. Um. I think we're going to do another episode probably you know about air cards there's lots of air cards in these earlier sets but that definitely yeah, deserves the it's on was when it came to mind yeah the war nice. turtle since we were talking about it there's the air yeah. war turtles that came to yeah. mind for me but the nine tails yep so, but... but yeah you got any but... uh cool stories about base set i know you, you told your charizard story but... yeah i had the charizard story and um i think i've told this story with the pikachu i traded for a wigglytuff obviously the wigglytuff is in the set um obviously on the hard streets of elementary schoolyard that was public school <laughs> uh no obviously not but um, you know, there's a lot of trading going on back in the day, and a lot of Pokemon 
on in recess, and it was everybody. I swear, it was everybody. Everybody was trading. Everybody was playing. It seemed like, besides you know that group of kids that always seem to do their own thing, but like, or the ones that oh, like, oh, we don't we don't do Pokemon because there was a thing with Pokemon being like satanic. Yeah, that actually did happen, <laughs> mm-hmm. and but uh, ultimately everybody was <laughs> trading and. I think for most people, there was some sort of consequences that occurred in their school from everybody playing Pokemon. And one of those reasons was, I think, there were people getting ripped off sometimes with trades. And in one story I have, there was a guy, he wasn't, you know, I I guess he didn't know much about Pokemon. You know, he wasn't, he also wasn't exactly the smartest guy, but I sold him on a Pikachu for a Wigglytuff hollow. And then everybody started telling them that you got ripped off, dude. And unfortunately, the teacher with him by her side came to, into, into our class and said, you got to give it back. And I obviously was very upset. <laughs> I felt slighted. It. Yeah, I had it. No. I feel and, like. Uh, oh, go ahead. I was, I was just going to say, and I swear, the very next day, obviously it wasn't just because of me. There was plenty of issues with Pokemon being played. The very next day, Pokemon was banned from, like, play. Yeah. You were the reason. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just a terrible human being. I know. I, I know it. And uh, honestly, you know, that was happening everywhere. But, you know, kids were getting beat up for certain cards. If they couldn't agree to a trade, I know there's some kids that just be like, Get him! No, that's not, not quite like that. It's like, he's got the Charizard! <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, uh, I, I do know there were, like, fights that occurred because of it, you know. I, I, I saw it firsthand. Luckily, I was, stayed out of that. I did, I did see it, you know. And, there were like that's how that's how big and passionate people were about this. It, sometimes it felt like you know we're all we were all in a jail yard and uh, our currency was, was cards for Pokemon, you know, like Pokemon cards. So I don't know. There, I remember a lot of that when it comes to base set. I didn't care about first edition, Shadowless. To me, it was all Pokemon. And I now, as a collector, I understand the importance and. The scarcity of first edition, especially better condition for first edition cards, but that's cool. But to me, what mattered to me was just the Pokemon cards themselves. Yeah, you know, the first edition, you know, the Shadowless, and that's why I haven't focused on the first edition collecting that set. I think I will one day base set just because, as I mentioned, it's historical importance, but. It's not a must. It's nowhere near a must. I just think it's kind of neat. Yeah. I like my first editions. I don't know if I'll ever get rid of them. <laughs> but, yeah, well, it is where it all started. And the only really things that stick out for me with base set, I don't remember buying many packs. Like, I remember having the starter decks, the ones with the Machamp in there. With, like, my cousin at my grandma's house, like, in the spare bedroom, like, going through that starter deck. I remember that specifically. And then I remember, 
like pulling a nine tails hollow like that was that's the earliest card i have in my memories like pulling a nine tails hollow and there's there's a picture of me in my grandma's yard like me and that same cousin it was probably the packs that we got with those starter decks um we're posing with our cards out in the yard <laughs> but he got a non hollow i know that so <laughs> But, I, you know, I just think it's great that everybody has their story tied into the set. Especially, the, and there's something, I think, as we go further, as we grow older, and the time, the distance from when these moments occurred, I think we start to appreciate how awesome it was that we were there. We were there when Pokemon started. We were the first generation of Pokemon. And... I mean, I think that kind of ties into, like, you're kind of who you are as a person. I, I think we've all allowed ourselves to be affected by this, by this. I, it's it's not, it's almost like an entity in some ways. I know it's just a business, but it's became more than that. So a lot of people, Pokemon is life. I mean, we surround ourselves by it. <laughs> you know, we're, we're we're grown men. We're still into it. Yeah, I yeah, I wonder about that. Like, how is it a problem, or is it like blown way out of proportion? But you know, it's just a normal thing. It's just this stuff didn't really exist to our parents. You know, there's like Mickey Mouse and stuff like that, but yeah, and Disney stuff, but. It's like, this is just normal. It's just something different for us. Like it was different for them. So, yeah. The old base set will always be there. and yeah, you Absolutely. Can, you can still pick up stuff pretty cheap. I mean, mm-hmm. I do recommend doing your research. You know, there's, there's many versions of base set. There's the, from most expensive to least expensive, I guess we can rank them. So... Yeah, first edition, then you got Shadowless, Mm -hmm. and then you have Legendary Collection, technically, I think, which is like a reprint set, but it was was later down the road and just not as available as base set was. Then you have base set fourth print, which was like 1999-2000 copyright date. And then you have the normal base set, and then you have base set two, which was also a reprint, but it was more available than base set and legendary collection. But so. most people don't separate that fourth print. From yeah, like it, most is, people aren't it looking, is pretty niche. Like, when people are talking about, I think a lot of people just group that into base set unlimited. Which, I think when you think about the comparison between First Edition Shadowless and Unlimited, not going to include Shadowless because that was more of a specialty set commemorating the Watsi era, more so than it was the printing during the phenomenon that was Pokemon. And I, I think it's difficult to, well, I guess we can to some extent quantify the Unlimited printing, right? Yet, somehow... Even with how much un- how much they printed unlimited, it was still the most printed era until just recently. Yeah. And 
with all that in mind, still, somehow, base set unlimited Charizard is still around, you know, about $200. And I sold my PSA 1, no, excuse me, PSA 2 unlimited Charizard for like 170 bucks. PSA yep. 2. In fact, I said this in an episode, but when I sold it to the to the guy at Eddie Gaming, he was like, "God bless America." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I mean that what that says to me is the power of not just Charizard, but the power of nostalgia, and the power of the beginning of Pokemon. I think that what's that is what they said, Charizard. I mean, it's it's coming to represent a lot of things, right? And it can be different for any yeah, ten people. It could be, Different answer for all ten people, but ultimately, I think this come to represent the original, the first, mm-hmm. the first set, all of that. Yep, it's a, uh, it says something. I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter how much cards printed; it just matters about that demand. But yeah, I mean, I guess that pretty much does it for the base set, though. Um, if you're looking for more info on the versions, I think I have a video on my YouTube channel, but I mean, there's plenty of them out there. Um, what, uh, I was just going to say one more thing though. You know, I was going to say as well, like first edition has increased in price and especially near mid grades for certain cards like the big three, but you know what? You can actually get a first edition complete set cheaper than you might think. And if you are curious, I should implore you because you can get it. I mean, it's going to be several thousand dollars, but it's more affordable than you might think. And I know there really isn't any hidden gems when it comes to investing. But I will say it's, it is interesting to consider how the price of near mint grades for, for first edition and then shadowless, they've priced out a lot of individuals. Now, we mentioned how much unlimited was printed. And so, you know, the scarcity factor is really working against it. But in a, for a lot of these cards, every other factor is working for it. The art, the Pokemon, the story, and the nostalgia. So what's interesting is I'm not, I don't expect Unlimited to ever go crazy in price. But I also expect it to always, I shouldn't say always, but I do expect it to most, mostly stay steady in price, especially for the big hitters. Mm-hmm. And if not, and if not, for big increases, well, I'm not. So I'll, I'll reword that. Excuse me. I think that unlimited would be the first ones that could potentially see a spike anytime there's a big interest within the hobby. Because base set, it seems like what a lot of people go for, especially the original sets. So I'm not saying you should go ahead and invest in near mint unlimited, but I am just saying it is an interesting way of going about things if you're interested in collecting base set but you don't you can't afford the price entry for the same quality of grades you're trying to find for first edition because let's let's face it as collectors we always put the best condition possible that we can get yeah yeah it's uh i mean yeah that that i guess base set just goes in waves you know i mean yeah I don't know how many more waves we could have, but yeah, anytime there's a, a hype, everyone goes for base set. I mean, everyone needs a base set, you know? Mm-hmm. So, it's I gonna... mean, overall, the better cars are more steady. 
but at the same time, I think if you enjoy the original art, like for me, I don't mind collecting near mint unlimited because to me, I love having the condition. And honestly, they're still affordable, even though they have gone up in price substantially from where they were. Yep. So yeah, that that brings us to jungle, and we don't have to, but I like talking about jungle and fossil together. Okay. Because um, that I don't know those two. You know, base sets its own thing because it's the first set, but jungle and fossil they're probably the cheapest sets. <laughs> you know, they were printed in mass, just like base set like a ridiculous amount but their cards are also like not as good condition they're you know not as desirable pokemon each set has their kind of key cards but yeah i mean other than that i mean there's not too much going for them unfortunately but no you have the evolutions and snorlax when it comes to jungle and when it comes to Fossil, you have the Dragonite, Art- Articuno, and Lapras as the big ones, I would say. I suppose you could also mention, like, the other legendary birds in Raichu. But Gengar's in there. Gengar, yeah, Gengar, yeah, as well. That's, those are, would be the big ones. So there's definitely more in Fossil compared to Jungle. Because Gengar, to this day, is has huge fan favorites, you know? He's one of my personal favorite. I mean, he's he's a, he's amazing, and I think that's and I think that art's pretty great, honestly. Yeah, I've always loved Fossil more, like even the early days, because I mean, if you take out the evolutions from Jungle, yeah, man, it's rough. I mean, none of the yeah. hollows in jungle just really do it the snorlax is okay and then the evolutions but man every hollow besides that it's just rough like not even like bummed that you pulled that card but like it's like super cheap and just real bummed um it doesn't benefit these sets that you know, A, they are small sets. They're only 60-something cards each. So they're a lot smaller than base set. But not only that, the hollows have a non-hollow version. So, you know, you're cluttering almost half the set in just the rare cards, which is nice. But, yeah, you're getting the non-hollow versions as well, which was not the case with base set. So... You could pull the rare Pokemon, but it could be non-hollow, and you'll be super bummed. But other than that, I mean, with Jungle, there is no symbols that you can get. So you can get these cards without the Jungle symbol. So those are a little more desirable, yet still cheap. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's essentially... About it. The only other thing, like with Clefable, there is a pre-release Clefable. They started doing the pre-release cards with the second set jungle with Clefable. And it is extremely hard to grade. So much so that there is not a single PSA 10 that exists in that card as we speak. So a 9 goes for quite the premium 
the PSA 8 is still over like $1,500, $2,000 almost. So that's something to talk about there, but, you know, that's not yeah. actually in the set itself. So, you know, I, I, I would say out of this whole set, Flareon's definitely my favorite house. That's my favorite as well. I, I mean, it's, uh, it's the colors, the background and color of the hollow pattern. It's, it's really unique, especially for up to that point. Obviously, it was only set two, but it stands out. It really does. Yeah, it's definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, and the other evolutions are good, but Jolteon's got a weird pose. Vaporeon's kind of, or Vaporeon, yeah. Yeah, Vaporeon's good. I mean, it's just simple. And that's one of the harder cards to grade because of the white background. Yes. But yeah, Flareon is like in action and uh, pretty good there. Yeah, what do we got on Fossil's side? I, like I said, I always thought Fossil was cooler. The Kabutops is cool. Lapras is cool. Gengar, Haunter, Dragonite is probably my favorite artwork out of all three of the OG sets. It has so, that rainbow color pattern. You know, I spoke too soon with the Flareon. Yeah. Yeah, Dragonite but, is... It's a simple-looking card, but, man, I just love that Dragonite. Yeah. It's definitely a good one. And the Articuno, I'm a big fan of as well. Yeah. They did have a pre-release for this set as well, an Aerodactyl. A little easier to grade than the Clefable. But, yeah, once again, you got the non-hollows in the set. And uh, just utter disappointment if you open any of these. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. It's a small set. I mean, yeah, there's not much to it. It's a really small set. I remember like just getting into collecting and like having a base jungle and fossil set. It was like insane to have the whole set complete. You know, granted you could buy all three of them for two hundred dollars at the time for all three complete sets. But uh, yeah, it puts it into perspective how far we've come and how little we were. Like the hobby's still little. You know, average age of the hobby is probably twenty five as far as like serious collecting goes that's yeah, not counting all the, all the like literal children playing probably drags that down a lot yeah absolutely you know we're still don't have a lot of economic buying power just yet and but i you know i also think a little bit has to do with the fact that most pokemon cards are going to be under 200 dollars, especially in a graded slab like i mean even though all starts you can sell a be all dark the last I checked for like 170 around there, even less if you're okay yeah. with the Japanese, which I'm, I prefer the Japanese, so that's, I saw like 140. Um, so, I mean, most cards are cheaper, whereas with sports, where a lot of the money comes from is their numbered cards. Having like a one-off card or a one-of-five or 25 or something like that. And there's a lot of money involved with that, especially when it comes to speculation. And obviously the speculation doesn't, I mean, there is some of it to like speculators with like long-term holds for like, you know, all darts like the Umbreon, for example. 
but you don't really have that factor in a way in part because of Pokemon's printing, which they print fine. They get the, what they need for their base, for their collectors, for their playing base, but they don't print it to oblivion like sports they like tops did in the 80s and early 90s. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and they, yeah. they almost had to do that to like save sports because <laughs> it just got so <laughs> ridiculous, but you know, Pokemon is much better managed and has a lot more experience, not like in number of years, but you know, as seeing that as an example and they're getting a firsthand account of that, of what Wizards of the Coast is doing now. Yeah, and, they're messing uh, up for magic. Yeah, so that's the path that I fear is like, you know, we could very well since the beginning of time for Pokemon, it's been slowly ramping up, right? And even back in the um, black-white era, you started noticing more secret rares, more variants, more changes to make the product more exciting. Well, you just keep going and going and going, and eventually, like, where, where do you end up? And just seeing the progression from 2016 till now, like, it scares me how much we've jumped. And if you look at, you know, V-Star Universe, Crown Zenith, how crazy that set looks. You're just like, yep. holy cow. But... But we, wait, we can go further. <laughs> but, but wait. <laughs> I do want to come back to that, though, because I think you got a good question, and I'm saving a response for that. But that's yep. that's what I fear right now but we'll come back to that but that's why i'm not really biting too much into it i would like to say something but i'm not because yeah yeah i know it's kind of hints a few the question i have by the end of the show but you know these sets i still consider a part of obviously like the original 151 and as somebody who grew up in this era obviously i feel like they just all blend together. Obviously, they're distinct. They're the separate sets, obviously. But to me, it all blends together because I was there for the whole era. And, you know, one way to think about in the future is how that's going to be with uh, little kids that might want to try to collect. Good luck. It's not happening. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, but, collecting was so easy all the way up until, like, black and white era. Like, can't remember the set like plasma freeze or plasma storm or plasma blast one of those there's a couple of them i remember when that set came out like that was the moment where like one to two secret rares went from like six secret rares and then six secret rares went to like six secret rares with six more full art variants and then like two sets later you're at like 12 or something like it just really ramped up so full arts became a thing and then yeah it just went crazy and it's like impossible to collect the whole set today yeah and i know things have lowered except for a lot of sort of set in terms of price but you know when you have a 300 card set and there's like 60 secret rares in there more <laughs> you're trying to do that for every set 
or you get portion of the sets in the era. I guess you just kind of will pick and choose. But it, it gets expensive fast. Like we talked about how really Neo Destiny is the real first expensive set. Yeah, although Neo Ring Revelation kind of jumps up a little bit. But Neo Destiny really gets expensive. And you're talking about some sets that are going to be even more than that when it comes to Horde and Shield. Yeah, it's just it's just ridiculous across the board. But yeah, we'll we'll get to that in that question. <laughs> but uh yeah, so next up we have base set two. So the demand despite the print run for base set, you know, keep this in mind. Like you said, base set was like the most printed Pokemon set ever until like this year or late last year. Base set two came along because the demand was still so high for base set that people couldn't find the product. I mean, there's still plenty out there. People are still opening base set boxes, but base set two was reprinted um, to make it more accessible, more playable, less expensive. So we kind of touched on that. So that's why that's like the cheapest version. Had the same artwork, different hollow pattern. Instead of the OG Starry, you have the Galaxy, and uh, it looks cleaner. There was, I don't know how much of this was confirmed. This is, again, like news before the hype. I think a lot of this stuff gets buried now because there's just so much going on, but these stories tended to develop prior to 2016 and have some meat behind them. But essentially, there was a story or a confirmation that Pokemon had you know all the printers and the blades of the printers lined up for base set and they used the same equipment for jungle and fossil and rumor has it is that they changed out all that equipment all the blades and everything for base set two moving forward and then after that it was more of a normal thing but you do see some pretty bad cut lines and silvering on jungle and fossil you know, I don't think that's a coincidence. Base set, it's kind of run-of-the-mill, mostly bad. But Jungle and Fossil especially are terrible. Like, just out of the pack. Not even just print lines, but the cut lines themselves. So that's why I think you see a lot of silvering on Jungle and Fossil. And then you make the jump to base set two, and just the quality, you know, goes off the chain. As far as old stuff goes, it's not it's still not crazy good, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I don't even plan as well. I can base that too. I, I don't think. I mean, maybe if I'm really OCD completionist, but right now, I, I don't even care for it. Yeah, I'll buy. Especially, I'll buy a Charizard just because the Galaxy looks clean and everything. But yeah, I mean, it's not special really. I haven't no. had it for a while. No, not at all. It just feels like, especially if I, I do one day plan on getting first edition for the reasons I mentioned before, but do I really need, with my evolution set, like, we didn't even talk about that one, <laughs> but, uh, you know, do I really need, like, four sets of base set, and I don't think I do. Yeah. But, yeah, that brings us on into Rocket. So this was uh, quite the shake-up back in the day. I mean, way Dark different cards. Yeah, Pokemon. Dark Pokemon. This is when uh, all the parents started to get worried. Like, what are they trying to say? You know, 
I do think magic did take the brunt of that, though. Like, so they had that to fall back on. (laughs) Yeah, let's magic, please shield us. You know, and I, yeah, they tried something different in this set, and that's why I like Team Rocket, and it definitely stands out more so than its previous two or the previous two sets. And I like a lot of the cards in this set in terms of the artwork. I like the Blastoise, like the Alkazam, the Charizard, the Dragonite, the Hypno, especially the Hypno. I'm really a big fan of that one. And I even like the uh, Team Rocket one. The uh, Here Comes Team Rocket. Yeah, I say, like, for the artwork, I mean, this is where it started. This is where there was a huge shift and a lot more effort was put into the artwork. I mean, you can see that just by looking like Pokemon are doing some different poses. The Magneton, you got Giovanni's shadow in the background. Dark Jolteon, the rare Dark Chameleon. Yeah, you got a lot of upgrades as far as the art quality. A lot more action, a lot more like poses and character and personality. And uh, this is kind of where it started. So a lot of people like the Rocket set. I never really did. Um, Of course, this is when the first Secret Rare comes into play, Dark Raichu. Um, It's always, you know, not a super expensive card, but it's just always cool and, like, seen as a must-have card because it's the first Secret Rare ever. And, you know... We have I kind of have a funny story with Dark Rider. I think I kind of mentioned it before, but when I was coming back into the hobby, I was trying to buy anything I could um, to try to grade or whatever or just collect. And because, I mean, I feel like I, I've been, I was running hard with FOMO. And I found a guy through my Facebook page, somebody that I actually played Pokemon Go with. And I bought a bunch of his cards. And when it, before I went there, it was his first edition Raichu. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm about to get, I'm about to make bank right now. Because we kind of had a rough estimate, you know, just a couple hundred dollars. And at the time, it, like, it looked, the Raichu looked mint, first edition. I was like, I can make some money off this for sure. And we noticed later that there's actually a crease. Uh, a little crease across there, huh? Yeah, and uh, or I noticed it. I think it was like around the time that I, I bought it. But there's also a Charizard involved, a, a, a Blastoise, a Venusaur. Like I got all the big three. And at the time, it was only a couple hundred bucks. And obviously, for what the cards are going for, I made out like a bandit. The problem was, I decided to send off to be grading instead of just flipping right, right then and there, which is what I should have done. Yeah. But I mean, obviously, I got my money back because like the Charizard itself almost paid for well. That I paid for the whole thing. So, but still. Yeah, I don't really have any uh, specific stories on Rocket. I do remember a buddy of mine, we, uh, we'd venture to a neighboring town to go to the movies all the time. And our old childhood card shop had packs for Team Rocket and Gym Heroes and Gym Challenge. And I think they were first edition packs. He had packs in the store for sale for like, I don't know, 
This was probably like not even marked up that much, 10 to 20 bucks a pack. And this was like 2011, 2012. And so we just thought that was cool. We're like, oh, yeah, we don't see these very often. We're going to buy some. And so we each bought a couple packs or something. And I remember he pulled a dark Charizard. And it was like super nice, super clean. And then that same guy, I think this was a separate occasion, but he had Gym Challenge first edition packs. And I remember this because I made multiple visits to that store like across, you know, a couple weeks. And I bought like two packs here, two packs there. It's when I had my old OG Pokemon channel like in 2012 and I was opening packs on camera. But. The packs I bought, I recorded myself opening a first edition Blaine's Arcanine, and I know he got the first edition Blaine's Charizard. <laughs> so he pulled both the Charizards. So that's kind of my memory for Rocket, and that's, you know, the only one I really have is him pulling the Dark Charizard and then right after pulling the Blaine's Charizard. But it's a it's a cool set, though. A lot of people... Love that Charizard. I'd say Dragonite and Blastoise are right up there. Those are pretty much the yeah. big three. Then, of course, the Raichu. But the. Uh, uh, well, I was just going to say um, this is actually basically what I have complete the point with my first question. The only thing I'm missing is just the Dark Charizard. Uh, I'm just holding off on it because I'm putting back, putting lower on priority, putting. Neo Destiny on front of priority whenever I buy cards um, towards the end of the year. So, because I figure, honestly, the Dark Charizard, like, you can get it for just, like, in moderately played, for like, 100 bucks. Yeah, like, it's, it's, uh... Like, like it's, it's pretty affordable. It, it really is. So I'm not mm. even worried about it, honestly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the, uh... I think Rocket, it's always seen as like a cheap set. It's kind of in there with Jungle and Fossil. You know, really easy to come by. I print it a lot. Um, yeah. The Dark Magneton is very hard to grade. Again, with the background, there is a variant of Dark Dragonite where it has the hollow numbering. Like it says number five where it should be the hollow, but it's actually not hollow. So that is like the biggest chase technically for the set. Because, um, yeah, it's a very significant, very rare air. So keep an eye out for that if you're ever checking that out. But, yeah, other than that, I mean, it's just kind of seen as the gateway to like really changing up the art. And it was received well. And that set the tone for going into the gym sets. So Yeah, you had a little bit of a Giovanni in there too. Yep. So no surprise, the Pokemon company ramped it up again and had a little more spice to it and went to the gym heroes and gym challenge sets. And I just want to say at this point with gym heroes, we are talking about August 14th, 2000. So we're talking about in the year 2000. Um, but yeah, so just to kind of give you an idea of the timetable, obviously Base Set 2 came out in February 2000, but that's just kind of how quickly they were actually able to turn out sets, if you, if you think about it. 
because um, you know they had to bridge everything when it comes to selling their products here in America because obviously the bridge is already made with the 80s tech boom from Japan and but it still wasn't as smooth as it is today with shipping and buying products from all across the world. I mean, like, right now, I can buy something from Japan, and it can be here in two weeks. You know, that wasn't that wasn't exactly around back then. So the distribution process and how quickly they were able to increase the accessibility to these products in a short time frame was, I think, pretty impressive. I just wanted to chime in and say that real fast before we started. Yeah, they... Uh... You know, Pokemon started in 96 for Japan and yeah. 99 for us. So, yeah, it was really a uh, catch-up game for sure. Yep. Yep. I'm actually uh, curious. I'm trying to see when the original base set printed. When, I can't remember. Do you remember uh, when that released? Because right now apparently... Pokelector just is sucking it up right now when it comes <laughs> for the English. Yeah, I want to say for some reason September '99 pops in my head, but I'm really having doubts on that. But yeah, but I know it yeah. was like later in the summer. Let me let me see. Mine seems to be working here. So, oh yeah, January '99. So maybe I'm thinking of. 98, because I think there was something that happened early, right before 98. But, yeah, it looks like January 9th, 1999. Interesting. I remember going to Toys R Us with my brother. I felt like I was wearing shorts, but maybe not. Um, It might have been released, but it wasn't until spring, maybe, I think, when we bought the cards. And, you know, they're... Pretty pricey for back then, these cards were. And there's just bins full of them at Toys R Us. Oh, man, Toys R Us, right? Remember that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> remember in 64? I remember. You know, like, you can play all those games uh, at, at Toys R Us. So it was part of the experience. And there was something truly magical about buying these packs, even from base set, Team Rocket, and even Challenger. However, a lot of people that were in it when base set began, it slowly, like let's face it, kids' interests are fickle. They change quickly. And the mod- like, a lot of people were in base set, but by the time you got to the gym sets, there was, within a year, people have had lost interest. Her kids had lost interest and moved on to something else. Maybe it was baseball. Maybe it was Yu-Gi-Oh. Maybe it was Digimon. I mean, I, I was I was a big fan of Digimon. I, I watched Digimon too, you know. But who knows what it was that they moved on to. But for me personally, I don't have the same level of nostalgia when it comes to the gym sets. And I feel like I'm not the only one that has experience for somebody in our age group. I feel like my nostalgia for the gym sets is probably peak. Like, I like the other sets, but getting back into the hobby 
and like me and my buddy buying those gym sets and me actually opening them on camera when like the biggest YouTuber was primetime Pokemon with 50,000 subs. <laughs> and that was just mind blowing how he had that many subs back then. It's like, I don't know. I just love the gym sets. And to me, like, yeah, Rocket took it to the next level and really up the art. But, I mean, there's just something about the gym sets. They up the art even more. And the quality and the style just really hit it on the head for me. Like, I feel like Rocket, they updated the artwork, yeah. But the Pokemon style and how they drew them kind of stayed the same. But this, they had an updated, fresh look. And they were just, you know, obviously cleaner, newer, more poppy-looking cards. And a lot of these, like, just looked amazing if you found one in good condition. One of my favorite things, or I guess type of cards from this set especially, were the Hollow Trainers. I was a big fan of not, not just this set out, Heroes, but obviously Gem Challenger as well in terms yeah. of their trainer hollows. Giovanni, obviously, right? But not just Giovanni, but I was I like I like the Erica one and Brock and the Misty. I mean, that that's really, really neat. I do enjoy those cards. And you know, right now I am not trying to collect these sets, but I know probably in the back of my mind that I won't be surprised if I start collecting this set too. Because <clears throat> You're right. I mean, you're absolutely right. They build on top of each other. They, they they really do. And when you're looking at the beginning of where Pokemon all started with their designs, with everything that they've done with innovation within the TCG world, and it is interesting seeing it as you analyze each set. And you know, as we're going through these sets now, I think it, it makes it stand out amongst its sets of the same era. And I think that's really cool to see seeing that pro progression, that development, that we're still seeing to this day, right? Yeah. For Pokemon. Within the same generation, you saw how they they changed and developed. And they weren't, they weren't afraid to do it. They, they wanted, I think, you need that variety. You need that spice to keep on changing, to keep on pe to have people coming back. And people don't want the same thing, but they, they do in some ways, right? Like they want Pokemon, but they don't want the same thing with Pokemon. They want variety. Yeah, that's kind of what I was saying too. Like you just see it in the gym sets. Uh, like it looks so much newer and fresher than just one set before and the rocket. Like you uh -huh. can tell what they were trying to do, but then the gym sets come and then bam, it's like these cards look so fresh and it went right into Neo. Like all the Neo sets look like this, like newer, fresher, awesome artwork. And it, it sticks like this style from the gym sets, sticks all the way up until the E-Series came along. So it's just, yeah, really, really cool artwork. Um, yeah, and the, the trainer hollows were amazing as well. I love how the two sets complement each other. Like the first one is yeah. like the first four gyms, and the second one is the you know second four gyms. Tons of cool artwork. I mean, some of the chases, I mean, it's kind of harder to tell the chases in Gym Heroes. I mean, you got Moltres, 
Gengar. Um, and Gengar, yeah. You actually got two Moltres. You got Blaine's Moltres and Rocket's Moltres. But other and, than... Yeah, yeah Saying other than those two and Gengar, I mean, a lot of the other ones are cool, but none of them are like an obvious chaser. No. I, I do... Personally, I like the Erica's Dragonair. That's one of my favorite cards in the set. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. You know what? I think what kind of also makes Heroes not quite stick out compared to some of the starter sets is it does a lot of things well, but it doesn't have things that it does the best set out of any one thing. It has great art, but it doesn't have as great art as other cards and the sets around it mainly having to do probably with the Pokemon, like the subject of Pokemon, right? Yeah. But ultimately, you can almost say, like, Jim Heroes is greater than the summation of its parts, right? Like, it's a great set, but it doesn't have the individual ones that stand out by itself. I mean, you're kind of looking through the rares and the rest of the set. You know, it's got a cool Rocket Snorlax, you know, great artwork on that. It's got a cool Sabrina and Slowbro, Ponyta, um, which obviously Tennis Star's Pikachu is pretty neat. But, you know, cool artwork, but not the best of its era. Yeah. And I think it's mostly, like you said, mostly subject to Pokemon. Because here comes Jim Challenge. And, of yeah. course, it's got a big dog Charizard in it. Yep. And this was the, yeah, it, I mean, it's still a great Charizard. The Blaine's Arcanine. Yeah. Blaine's Arcanine, I thought, was the coolest card of all time for the longest time. <laughs> now I think it looks kind of cartoony and plain. But it's almost got the uh, black and white art style or diamond and pearl from those sets. Like it's kind of a ahead of its time, but yeah, those two cards. I mean, number one and two in the set, pretty awesome. You got Misty's Gyarados, which is my favorite artwork of Gyarados of all time. I just love how menacing it looks. You also got Giovanni's Nido King. Yeah, Rockets Mewtwo. Rocket Zapdos, the coolest looking Zapdos card there is. You kind of start seeing hints of what made the next era so great. It makes sometimes underappreciated for the next era for just its artwork. But I would say this is the best set of its era. I mean, when it comes to artwork. When it comes to artwork, I'll I'll say it like that. Yeah, for sure. I I don't know if it's particularly close. I mean... Like, even, like, the non-hollows, like, so Sabrina's Gengar, like, the rare. That's great artwork with the moon in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just the variety. Like, these sets are so fresh, and they brought so much variety to, like, I don't know. I just think of base, jungle fossil, and rocket, and I, you know, it's just so dull. Like, those cards that don't is- excite me anymore. But these still kind of do. I mean, even in Gym Heroes, you look at a random card, Misty's Tentacool. You have Misty swimming beside the Misty's Tentacool. And you have the Gym Badges and the Gym Leader's face on the bottom right. Like, I thought that was so cool. 
just adds more flavor to the card. And just, even the even like the trainer cards have unique artwork too. Yeah. Even in heroes, and you know, I'm looking at Sabrina's Hypno and Jam Challenge, and that to me, that cards that artwork sticks out. Yeah. That's yeah. That that's unique artwork. And Hypno to me, I okay, I I love Hypno, right? So obviously, as a kid, trading was easy with the link cable cord with Prowl Kazam and Gengar and all that. But as I went back and played that as an adult, I didn't have the blue version or somebody else to trade with like their Game Boy Color or or whatever. So I've made do with Hypno. Is Hypno is a beast, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he 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 became like uh, to me one of my personal faves because of that. Like uh, when was it? As, as you leave the uh, what cave is that? As you enter Viridian City, right? I'm trying to think. Uh, there's a Diglett cave in there. Then there's a uh, yeah, there's another one cave. up north. I think that's the one where you go through all the, all the zoo bats. It's been a while since I played the game. Oh, that's every but... cave. <laughs> <laughs> You can't escape. That's still <laughs> and, uh, in the games today. <laughs> you just can't escape from Escape Pro, please. Oh, you can't escape. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they have those, you know, that's all our thing with, with the games and how how difficult those games were as, as a kid. You had, to, you had to be ready. Like, you you'd go in that cave, it's like, as a kid, maybe you had a strategy guy, and maybe you had an older sibling. For me, that was kind of both, but... Overall, you know, I was still a kid. I wanted to, I wanted to beat it on my own, and you know, I had to learn the hard way because I didn't really know about types. So I just strong armed it through, just keep on powering up. And I, you know, Elite Four was rough because I didn't understand types when I was like eight years old. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's not. I, I, I just didn't really think about it. What was all? I, I just wanted to play the game. I guess I just didn't have as much strategy, but it made the game a little more difficult. But I, I still love playing it, but regardless, it was difficult to get into these caves. Like, oh, you are beat down by the zoo bats in this cave. Oh, guess what? Here's your rival. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good luck. But anyways, in those woods, before you face Misty in, in the games, there's like this set of brush where you can find um, Drowsy. And I would always try to find it to catch Drowsy. At that point, so then the, at, at that point on, like basically before the second gym badge, I had a strong psychic type. And obviously in Gen 1, the psychic types were absolutely OP. They were bonkers. And, you know, like one of my favorite combinations was hit him with the old Razzle Dazzle with the Hypnosis and Dream Meter combo. Devastating combo. Absolutely. Razzle Dazzle. Razzle Dazzle. A little shake and bake right there. And, you know, I, I just think that when it comes to these cards with the Gym Challenger, or Gym Challenge, that it reflects those games to a large extent as well. And, like, how, I mean, right? Like, I think about the Ace Gym Badge. Giovanni and his Nato King, especially his Nato King and his Golem too, right? Mm -hmm. um, or Earthquake. And to me, like that's what makes these sets 
so great because they do reflect really what a lot of us recall when we first fell in love with Pokemon, and that was the game. Obviously, there's a show, right? But we all remember the games and we how much time we, we invested in them. We beat the Elite Four several times over. We level 100 our Charizard. We, all the crazy rumors surrounding how to get Mew. You know, you, you heard them, right? Or, you know, there's countless, countless things that you heard where people were just obsessed with these games over. I mean, us included, obviously. And these cards, I think, do a good job in celebrating those games. Yeah, I remember me being under the truck or, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was just so weird, the missing no glitch. And, you know, getting back to Jim Challenge and Jim Heroes, like the anime and the importance of the anime and, like, every kid watching it. Yeah. Like the trainer cards in those sets, like you said, trainer cards are good, but they're good because they're, like, so iconic. I mean, you have Sabrina's psychic control which it's like sabrina from the game and you you can relate to that because you know how she was in the anime yeah you have brock's quiz or blaine's quiz and you have every gym leaders like gym card so you have fuchsia city gym cinnabar city gym like all the iconic places and cards like erica's kindness that just builds lore to the character you know, you get that Erica's kind of a nicer gym leader, and then cards like this just add to that. Just overall flavor of the set itself. I mean, these are some of my favorite sets for sure. And I don't know why they don't get more love. It seems like people either love them or hate them. It's you know, like, I, I'll i be the first one. I didn't really care for it at first, when I first got into the hobby. I was one of those people, but... As I've developed more to binder sets and collecting Watsy, I've grown to appreciate it. Although I've, I haven't mentioned the gym sets, obviously, as collecting it. it. Like, it's just, I love them, but it's still outside my spectrum of immediate interest because, mainly because, while these are great artwork, I only opened a few packs of this set, or these sets. I mean, I had uh, Lieutenant Sturgis Fero, um, and. I had the Giovanni and and Erica's or the Erica trainer card, and I think that was about it that that I had from or maybe it was Missy Cedra. Like I didn't have a whole lot. Like I did not open a lot from these sets. I just remember that, and so that's why to me, I I think the biggest thing to me is it, it doesn't have the immediate nostalgia I have to the, my earliest connection to Pokemon, and I think that's why it's been a slow acclamation to the sets and interest and possibility of collecting them. Yeah. Yeah, they uh, they do good in time. And, yeah, just so much flavor going for them. No surprises here other than, you know, the obvious chase cards. But, you know, with all these sets, I think the outcome is the same. They'll have healthy growth, nice slow growth. Anytime yeah. there's an overhype, they will definitely inflate like we saw. Yeah. But, yeah, you can't go wrong with any of these sets. These will always be the OGs, and Gen 1 is Gen uh, 1. So. Yep, and uh, obviously the first editions will always be more, right? Just, it has the inherent scarcity factor attached to it. And, 
you know, as I mentioned with base set, you know, when it, when it comes to high grades for near mint of these cars, and collectors want the best condition possible, but they also don't want to spend an arm and a leg, especially when they might be trying to collect Watsy. So inherently, high condition, even for unlimited variants, I believe will stay strong in value and increase, although obviously it'll be subject to more potential volatility. And overall, you also have this, the overall nostalgia interest in general, especially when it comes to these sets as a factor. But I think you should collect what you're interested in. And if you love the art of these of this set, and I think near mint of especially the chase cards or certain cards you love is a great investment to go with. I, I really do. Like you will never ever go wrong in investing in the cards you love and the sets you love. You will never lose ever. The trouble happens when you start making a lot of speculation solely for money is when you could start getting in trouble and getting too fixated on one thing, not looking outside of your potential bubble. That's where you can potentially be making bad decisions. And make it double. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep, that's right. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jesus. Um, I guess it's getting a little later for that. <laughs> it's a little slap it's getting late for us. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, no, I mean, I, I that's that's a good rule of thumb, I really do. Like, there might not be hidden gems per se. You might be able to get good deals on some cards, and you still can get good good deals on these cards. I think Sabrina's, Sabrina's Gengar was running for, like, around $200 or so. I mean, for a card old and for a Gengar, the very desired Pokemon, that's pretty good. I'd have to look to see what it's actually going for, because it's come down a lot in price from what I saw. Yeah, they still hold their value pretty well um, yeah. for good condition. So yeah, that is, absolutely. That is one thing. They do hold pretty well. You're going to have to pay up for these a little more than if you're buying Jungle Fossil. And the yeah. sets are bigger. There are, you know, it's kind of a challenge to collect these because it's actually sizable and a lot of unique cards. Mm-hmm. So, but, yeah. You know, and I think that that shows collecting your even and unlimited reflects that these Watsi holds a lot of power for nostalgia and for people's enjoyment of Pokemon and just being the first as printed. And I think just near mint grades as first edition prices a lot of people out. Near mint grades for unlimited just naturally will stay steady or slowly increase. You know, it's it might be subject to it might be subject to more potential volatility than that. It's like when you get to your moderately played condition, but that's what I would stay away from. Like, don't just buy cards just because from they're from this era. I think that's a terrible decision. <laughs> but you know, ultimately, as I said, like just if you collect what you love, when you do your quote unquote investing. You, you won't fail. You just won't. Yep. That's what I've been doing since day one. Just, I I don't think I even sold a card until like, well, I did sell some, but <laughs> if I ever sold a card, it was always to put 
that money back into a different part of the collection. But yeah, just kind of carelessly collected what I liked over the years. And people who are doing that right now, like we mentioned before, they're going to be the benefactors and benefit from, you know, the next boom. So just got to keep on chucking. One, one more thing I, I want to say, kind of hinted on it with like the cost of a f- first edition set, but a lot of people shy away from these cards because they think they're too pricey. But in reality, they're not too much more expensive than some modern cards. Even in your mid conditions, obviously, if you go to first edition, that's when the prices can really, really increase. But if you're willing to buy a near mint altar like Alugia, you can get a near mint Sabrina's Sub- Gengar for around the same price for unlimited. Yeah. You know, like th- like they're more feasible than you think to collect these cards. However, will that be like that in ten years? I'm not so sure. I would think not because you have a rate of burning when it comes like not literal burning, right? But like kind of in some way of like you know how cryptocurrency like burns coins as it keeps on going through its process of mining. Well, this way. As time goes by, more and more cards will get dings or more scratches, even more scratches than they might already have. You know, some some cards actually have stayed relatively in the same place for a while, so they might not have the scratches, even if they were in a three-ring binder. So I, I think it's, as the time goes on, these near-mint copies will be leaving the market, even for unlimited, and there will be less on the less availability on the market and just naturally it will slowly increase. Yep. It'll, it'll trickle up. I think, yeah, what we're seeing with modern right now is just kind of extraordinary. I mean, that's the demand. I mean, I think it's history repeating itself. If you look at base set, you know, this is how the hype was when Pokemon first released. And that's kind of what we're seeing in modern. Granted, it's more structured now with the alt arts and their rarity. I mean, if you spread out how much product is printed based on that rarity, you know, it evens out to quite a few copies. But, I mean, that's that's why they're doing it. They're just maintaining some sort of, you know, ultimate chase, even though the quantity open today is much higher. They're trying to keep that integrity somehow, but it's definitely working. They just got to keep doing what they're doing. Well, you know, the Altar Umbreon is already beginning dipping in price, which to the surprise of no one. (laughs) Yeah, kind of figured that. Yeah, and I expect it's going to be like that for a lot of these Altars. Like, it's Every single alt-art cards, the sets are still in print. Now, obviously, stuff like Battle Styles, they probably won't reprint again. But in general, if the card is still in print, and we know a bunch of cards just were submitted to grade for PSA after they release the bulk tiers, there's going to be, in six months, there's going to be a flood of tens for alt arts now it's obviously not going to crash the market and i'm not saying that at all because it's definitely not going to do that but it's definitely going to keep the price low there's going to be enough circulation 
that will keep the price low for several years. Yeah, like, I mean, for the PSA 10 and beyond, it's basically under $1,000 now. You know, mm-hmm. it hit 1500 1600 and I believe this, it'll continue to fall. I think we'll go back down to, like, six $700, I think. Yeah, it, it's got some falling to do, for sure. But, I don't know, it's it's crazy. Who knows? Crazy? But yeah, I guess we'll jump on over. That pretty much does it for the main topic. Like I said, we're going to be spreading these out. You know, we want to do a few episodes in between just to not, like, have this be our only form of podcast for, like, two months or three months straight. <laughs> but we'll have two to three episodes in between each one, and then we'll we'll hit that. But Yeah, I think the next one might be around the first of the year. That's probably what ends up happening. Yeah. I mean, if we spread them out like that, I mean, we're talking about going into the end of next year. You know, this is only episode 20, and we're going on a year. So if you spread, like, six of those episodes out, which we'll probably have six or more, you know, it's going to be well, less than a while. My, I think my mic kind of was, like, 16 or something. I don't know. I, I don't know. It was more than that. It was... Quite a few episodes is all I remember, but especially if you include the promos we have planned. Yep. But sure. yeah, we have planned about the, I know we talked about it before, the different era promos, you know, especially the last couple eras, and I can't wait for a few of those episodes. I, I really can't. But we have a lot, like we have stuff that could take us basically until 2024. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, with other eras, you know, this was just Gen 1 because we didn't want to hit Watsi as a whole. But, you know, for other eras like the EX, old school EX era, we might, you know, be able to do into 1 or something like that. But we'll let you know. It's going to be fun to talk about either way. Absolutely. I can't wait for the next one that we eventually do because it's Neo and Neo, I've come to love Neo. I mean, I don't want to, you know, we kind of are starting to get a little ahead of ourselves, or I guess I am, but I can't wait to talk about Neo because I think Neo has a couple sets that are some of the best ever in Pokemon. Mm -hmm. All right, should we hop over to the game? Is it the questions? The questions. Yeah, Yeah, I was going to leave it up to you. Oh, okay. So it's neither or. Was it a fluidity? Okay. Um, we usually do questions yeah, first. Yeah, but let's just go ahead and do that then. All right. So I know you had a question in mind, and we had a couple topics or points that we wanted to make for it. So if you want to go ahead with yours, you so can check that well, out. Yep. So what of mine I was going to say is, what are you hoping to see in the next era of Pokemon? Now, this doesn't necessarily have to just be the TCG, it could be the games, because we haven't quite, we haven't played, so it could include the games as well. Yeah, so what I was getting at when I was talking about the, you know, what was it, gym sets, and that, you know, the progression of the next big thing, 
and how far it's come and how crazy it's going, it's, yeah, that's what worries me. I mentioned that it worries me. So I see from 2016, you know, we were pretty much on the same path. You know, sets did have like 10 chase cards, but the chase cards were like easy-ish to pull. And if you take 2016 to now, just the rate of which we've accelerated is just insane, especially with, you know, V-Star Universe. Like I said, it's just mind-blowing that they just went from having alt arts just like a year and a half, two years ago, to now having multiple alt arts and character rares. And with this last set, just, oh, you like character rares? Well, check this out. You know, it's just insane. So I hope that they tone it back, actually. And what I want to believe is that, you know, we've been ramping up because we're coming towards the end of Sword and Shield era. So it's the same Pokemon, so they had to spice it up a little bit. So I hope that when we go into Scarlet and Violet, it's toned down a little bit and that there's not much. People are just excited to collect because it's new Pokemon and, you know, that's kind of what they do. And that's usually how it goes. Like the base set version of the, you know, the new gen that comes out. It's usually like a bare bones set and they just feature the new Pokemon and that's it. So hopefully they tone it back and they just, you know, get a fresh new thing. Just kind of. I, I just worry that this is not sustainable and we're going to go the way of Magic the Gathering, just exploiting our wallets over and over and over. <laughs> but Yeah, I mean, it definitely could be it. Um, they do like to have sets towards the, if you look at especially the last few eras, all the way back to Evolutions, even, even before, they like to go ham. On that last set before the end of the era, don't they? Like, yeah, it's usually like you, a special set and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, like if you look at their sets, so you have what is it, Hidden Fates, Evolutions, well, it's going to be like the V Star Universe or the Crown Zenith. You have Cosmic Eclipse for Sun and Moon, Evolutions for XY. And, I mean, you have the Black and White Hadian collection for the Black and White series, and that one was a, a fantastic set. You know, so they've been they've been doing, following that formula now for a little while. And I am expecting that to obviously continue, you know, even going to Scarlet and Violet, I would think, because at this point I think it's a consistent trend that they won't stop for. Um but I'm more just kind of interested to see what they're going to do. Like, are they going to – I would like to see potentially more texture on some cards. I, that's something that I wouldn't mind seeing in this era. Um, a TCG that I, that does the texture the best out of any other TCGs is Dragon Ball Super. Their texture is far, by far the absolute best out of any TCG. And – I would like to see more of that on some Pokemon cards. They kind of do it with certain Japanese cards, but not quite. 
Like they kind of do it a little bit with the Umbreon alt art. There is a different like texture compared to the English, but it's not as profound as what you might see with Dragon Ball Super. So I would like to see a little bit more of that. It's just a nice little caveat where it's not anything truly groundbreaking that just could add a nice little element for the collectors and the art itself. Yeah. But, you know, that's, that's definitely the thing I would like to see. Um, one thing that I don't think we're going to see, and I'm actually worried about what might continue, is I know they're printing a lot. I, I get it. But, like, the stock of the card felt like it changed again. Uh, I think it was Pokemon Go, that set for the English. It felt so thin, so incredibly thin, that it's just, even when I pulled, like, an ultra rare, the quality just seemed, eh. Just not there uh, for you, huh? And I'm not trying to, like, rag on it, it's just... Like, the quality is lesser than it was just two years ago. And it's not just necessarily the print quality. I mean, it's obviously the print quality as well, but not just that. It's just the stock of the card. And How cheap are we going to get? Honestly. Yeah, the like, Eng- do- English side, who knows? I mean, Japan has had the consistency and quality, but I don't know what the U.S. side is doing. And it might be their you know, buying of the new printing areas and stuff like that. But well, it's yeah, thinner stock. they, so they got to cost less. Yeah. They got to figure it out. I don't care what like they that, do. Just make it consistent. I mean, to me, that, that, that's what they tell me or that's what they tell me. They're they're, And I think they're, that's how they allow it to be sold. at Not like basically almost the same price, just literally increase with the cost of inflation, like only like an 8% increase. Like, you know, they're not trying to reach it 20%. They know there's a certain area, like a certain price range that their market is willing to, there's a there's a large price sensitivity to where the, what the base is willing to spend on it. Yeah. So I think to increase the profit margins further, but what it kind of looks like to me is they went cheaper on the cards themselves. And... What worries me is, like, are people not seeing this? Like, are is people really going to be okay collecting cards? It's in thin. Like, you, compared to, like, a baseball card, like a Topps baseball card, <clears throat> the quality isn't even close. Even even Topps cheap, like, they're, they're now Topps cards, which is a card that they print in mass, like tens of thousands, and of a special event that might happen in baseball. It could be any, it could be any milestone. It could be something. It could be like, oh, it's three home runs in a game or something like that. And the quality of the cards isn't even close compared to what Pokemon is. Like, Pokemon is so much worse. I get the printing more cards of Pokemon. I get that completely. But they're filling it with these packs with so much crap that just to maximize profits, that... And, well, it's not just maximize profits. It's also... Keep it to where it's affordable towards its base. So I, I I I get the pros and cons of it. It's just we could have less cards, maybe for each set, but better quality, maybe, or just a different style. I, I don't know. I, I I just feel like the direction where that's headed kind of makes me concerned. Yeah. 
Yeah, they got a lot to figure out. I don't know. I haven't been paying too much attention to it. Like I said, mostly do Japanese now if it's like an odd odd man out that I collect. But yeah, they got to figure something out because it's just inconsistent. Even card to card. I said this many times, but if you open up some packs of English and you just hold the stack in your hand, that thing... Looks like the Rocky Mountains. It's it's so like inconsistent up and down. But can get an OC cut off off center big time card, you know. Yeah. Or in, in the whole the whole box is like that. That's the worst. Yeah. But yeah, for my question, I mean it's kind of a simple one with you know Magic the Gathering situation. Do you see Pokemon benefiting in any way for, like, indirect competition failure? Like, I see Magic as not really direct competition. The only way I see it is, like, you know, I think their demographics are much different. Magic is much older. Pokemon's much younger. And then the older people in Pokemon are collecting and not really playing. So the the younger people in Magic are just kind of not really existent. <laughs> so well, the biggest thing that Pokemon now has going against it is the competitive aspect. There is what would you say is probably at minimum two to one collectors to players at minimum, probably closer to three to one, and. That so Pokemon fills the niche on the collector side, but where the room for competition comes at, especially with the Wizards of the Coast and Magic's incompetency, with how they're treating their base, they're thinking too. They're trying to be too much like Pokemon, but by doing so, they're making to where a set deck costs two thousand dollars pricing out a good portion of their base and they're doing a poor job marketing to the younger base. They're trying to make it like these special alt arts and stuff and ultimately what it's doing is just driving up price instead. And it's making it harder for their people to play. And that leaves room for maybe flesh and blood will become the new magic um, because they're doing things pretty well. But you know... It magic has seemed to be coming like in a disarray. It's still right now probably what top three I, I would still say, but it's starting to be borderline in terms of where it could go next with not getting new players. And now with so little magic now on shelves, I'm seeing more Dragon Ball Super than I am seeing magic on the shelves. Yeah. I think that's not, not a good sign for Magic going forth. And what I find interesting is the timeline of this occurring. And the in the shadows slowly emerging Disney Lorcana. Now, there is still more of a mature audience for Magic. I think that's why something like Flesh and Blood could generally see a big uptick. Um, because it is more mature, not everybody wants to play. Not everybody wants to play with Disney characters, right? But 
I think the tournament aspect is what's interesting when it comes to other TCG's potential role in the market share. And I think that leaves Magic very vulnerable by not just Flesh and Blood, but also potentially Disney Lorcana. Because at that point, you'll have basically Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh!, and I think Disney Lorcana pulling the share from the younger base. And it's, in Disney's case, a base where an untapped market in some cases. And I think with these other TCGs emerging, like, you know, you got One Piece, you have Demon Slayer. Um, I mean, it seems like there's a new one all the time, you know? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, that there's going to be a fizzle out at some point with some of these TCGs. And I don't think Magic will die yet. But there is a way to seriously kill Magic if you don't get more people playing to the younger generation. If your average age of playing is early to mid-30s, you are literally a timetable for how much, how many more years you can still make a decent profit. And as people get older, people just kind of lose interest sometimes. So you have, so that's another thing you have to wonder. It's like you put yourself in a bad situation really quick. Yeah. And the thing with magic, you know, the game itself is kind of limited to what else they can do. I mean, they really, you know, they really did a great job over the years, you know, making such a playable game and like fleshing it out perfectly and doing all the mechanics. And, you know, it's been amazing. But, yeah, there's, they're just kind of running out of things they can do, essentially. With Pokemon, you know, thankfully they have majority collectors, you know, which we might be wrong about that. That's just kind of the world we see. You know, it's hard to get a gauge on the younger guys playing the game. But, yeah, it's just, I don't know, magic is just playable. And what drives that is the playing of the game. And so you kind of run out of ideas where, like, with collecting, you can just change the art. And... You know, it, it could be a different card. It could be the same card. But if you're collecting, not really playing with them, you know, art is such a wide thing. They could make tons of different arts. You know, you can only make a certain amount of mechanics without breaking the game. So that's kind of my biggest thing for it. It's like magic... Yeah, in a really bad place right now. They're trying to make the game collectible, but people who play Magic just do not care. I mean, it's always been about playability and fun, and that's all they really care about. But it's especially bad when they're trying to shove these products down your throat at such a rate that you can't keep up. And then you got Bank of America doing internal investigations and downgrading the company from a buy to a, like, double don't-touch-the-sell. Like, there, there was a straight-up Bank of America article where they warned clients 
about the MTG bubble and how Hasbro was milking their most profitable product to death and getting greedy. Like Bank of America straight up <laughs> came out with this. Main Wall That's Street news. Doing. Like this is like a major downgrade. So, yeah, it's, I don't know. They, they straight up accused them of, quote, killing its golden goose with greed. <laughs> so, I mean, it makes up for like 80 or 90% of Hasbro's profits. Maybe more than that, but. Wow. It's, uh, sometimes when it's crazy. You, when you, sometimes when you forget that the people buying your products are actually people and not numbers, you kind of forget that, oh, maybe we should stop just like, oh, we're trying to market towards a certain person without really caring about what that person might care about. They're just going after what they think they might care about based off of numerous reports, studies, whatever, business research. You know, sometimes when you get so caught up in the numbers, you forget that some semantics matter. Yep. They've been caught up in the numbers for quite a while. So, but yeah, that's pretty much all we wanted to touch on there. Um, we're pretty much at the two-hour mark. And we got one more thing. Yeah, we can make it real quick, though. So, the next question I have that we, we talked about in the beginning was the Precious Collection Box predictions. Da, 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 da. The end of era, the end of era promo. So, predictions. So, they were 120 MSRP. It was available for, like, I don't know what it was, 11 days. And then it was, like, two days or whatever. It was down. And then they put it back up for, like, two more days. And that's when I bought mine was during that time period. So, it was, like, 14 days or something like that. Overall, it was available for pre-order. So it was pretty, I mean, it was it was available for a while. But it also wasn't like how the English products was. Like, for example, with like the Pokemon Go Elite Trainer Box, it was just open indefinitely. <laughs> so it wasn't quite printed as much, I guess you could say. Yeah. But it's still going to be, I think, printed... I mean, it's going to be printed a lot. It's going to be printed probably something pretty close to the stamp box. The stamp box was probably around 80,000. So yeah, my I think guess they said is like that's... 50 to 100 estimate, wasn't it? Quite the estimate, but a lot of people yeah. are thinking like 60 to 80-ish. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're reflected to the Sun and Moon era, you could get a 10 there's one that sold for 730 in an auction you know but there's often sold for 900 you know a thousand but then like the raw of it you can get for like 500 yeah so i mean and there's definitely more printed of this era than that era yeah so i think I think it's going to be pretty close to the stamp box with the BD looking back. Um, 
yeah, I think there's going to be more printed and the pre-orders just kind of seem to stay open. So maybe they're making it to the pre-order numbers. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be solid. If MSRP is like a little over a hundred, I think it's easy going to be like a $300 thing. It's just one of those things that it's solid, but it is kind of niche. It's not like the, you know, celebrations with the UPC and the gold Charizard in there. You know, it's Charizard. This is a little more niche, but it's going to be a, I think like a $200 to 250 raw card. And maybe as a sealed thing, like 300, 350, but it's a solid product either way. So yeah, those, those are my of, official numbers. I think you could potentially see the box go up to 400 and people realize, oh, that thing, did, that thing actually came out. Uh, but I agree. That's kind of where I see the card eventually falling to is like 150, 200. Um, obviously, there's going to be a very high rate of 10s on this card because it is Japanese quality. And I will be surprised since they are making these as the crown jewel of this precious collection box that the quality is going to be really good. Yeah. Because you're basically paying for the card, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, the binder's cool and so is the nice little frame to throw your card in if you want to, but the vast majority is the card. And their Japanese customers are going to expect quality from if you're paying basically mostly for the card. So I imagine the vast, a large percentage of the ones created will become a 10, just like the beauty looking back. So they won't be too expensive even in a 10 either. For sure. But like I think that's all. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's all I really wanted to say about it. It is getting late. Scarlet and Violet are officially out for us right now. But I'll get it 10 a.m. tomorrow. Yep, I'll be trying to as well and uh, hopefully edit this video in a little downtime. Should be a good time. For sure. Can't wait for the next episode. All right, guys. Thank you for watching, and we'll see you then. Peace out, y'all. I'm about to pass out. Thank <laughs> you.